Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we have been discussing Dutch Sheets' book, Intercessory Prayer. And we've been spending quite a bit of time on his chapter 7 and discussing his use of Romans 8.26. And that's where we're going to pick up today. Now, we ended last week with a quote from page 117, and I'm just going to share that one more time, and then we are going to discuss his use of Zechariah 4.6. So here's what Dutch Sheets says. In situations where we're experiencing an inability to get results, the Holy Spirit not only wants to direct our prayers precisely, causing them to light upon correctly, but he also wants to take hold of the situation together with us, adding his strength to ours. And then he goes on to say this, and he does put in brackets here the words that you probably don't have in your version of Zechariah 4.6. So here's Dutch Sheets citing it, not by, in brackets, your might, not by, in brackets, your power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Zechariah 4, 6, will the mountain be moved? Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. Last week, we discussed how Romans 8, 26 really isn't even about finding answers or getting results in a specific situation. But looking at the Zechariah 4, 6, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What is the context of Zechariah 4, 6? Well, the desire for going back to the land and rebuilding the temple. Yes. And then after the captivity, the desire to get back to the status that they had before they were exiled. Right. And to rebuild the temple. And Zechariah, by the way, goes on into future eschatological purposes. Yes. What God's going to do. So it's about ethnic national Israel, promises they were given, and uh, what needed to happen, which ultimately is going to lead to Messiah. Right. And so God's purposes in bringing about Messianic salvation through Israel's Messiah are, are prominent in the book of Zechariah. Yes. And it's really not showing us adding his strength to ours. It was showing how God was sovereignly preserving his people and restoring them to their land. Right. And besides, if it just was our strength or their strength at that time, they really didn't have any. Yes. They'd been in captivity for 70 years. Right. And they, uh, you know, when they tried to get the temple rebuilt they didn't get very far and it turned out to be a pagan king Herod that made the temple that existed during the New Testament a very uh, prominent structure right so but nevertheless in the bigger context going back to the land was God's will yes and 
so th that there would be a temple there that Messiah would come. And it turns out they were apostate when he came. Right. And it was destroyed ag again in 70 AD. But the point is, God's purposes are revealed in Scripture through his real prophets, the biblical ones, and, who spoke inerrantly and did so for God, so we can count on it. And certainly, Zechariah's verse there is pertinent to, to God's revealed purposes. Yes. And so in that case, it's pertinent to Romans 8.26, because in context, God's revealed purposes is to preserve his own people till we ultimately are glorified and conform to the image of Christ. Absolutely. And so Zechariah is about that. And also he goes on to what will happen in this catalogical future beyond even our time now in later chapters. So how much good would come if people were going to use the Bible, actually study to find out whatever text they're using means in its context and made that more important than having something that fits their preconceived idea of how it should be. Right. That's very important. And it's a skill that any of us can develop. And we, we have, we're not all going to be pastors. We're not going to all have an MDiv, but we can all learn how to rightly handle God's word. And we have new listeners all the time. We've have new people, especially through this series, reaching out that have come out of the NAR and charismatic movements and are trying to, I would say, get their theological feet under them. This goes back quite a while, but on the CIC website, CICministry.org, or you can even find it on the CIC YouTube channel, we do have a hermeneutics class that was taught by our friend and brother, Ryan Habana. And it's an excellent series. It'll give you the basics of how to handle God's word and you won't fall into these traps. So you can find that at the website or on the YouTube channel, but it's worth taking some time to learn basic biblical hermeneutics. Right. We'll help you right here. Read the text. Yes. Read the context. Yep. The question you're trying to answer is authorial intent. Right. I mentioned that last week. The Holy Spirit inspired author of the text determines the meaning, not the reader. Yes. And the repeated error that I see in books like this that we're critiquing, and just about any um whether there's word of faith or the broader NAR and other movements like this, is the idea that the Holy Spirit determining the meaning doesn't mean the Holy Spirit inspired the author and his meaning is written down in the text, but the Holy Spirit tells us what the verse means. Okay. So rather than the Holy Spirit inspired author determining the meaning, the reader claims the Holy Spirit says certain things to them subjectively, and that that is going to give them the key to what the passage means. 
Okay. So it's really reversing it. Well, no, it's simply meaning that's just a spiritualized way to say the reader determines the meaning. Yes. Once you have the reader determining the meaning, you have an inability to correct error. Okay. And so you end up with cults. And I hear from people who cultists have been trying to get to them. People who believe don't believe the Trinity. People believe that Jesus was a created being. People believe various things. Ellen White was the prophetess of God, the Seventh-day Adventist. Okay. They go on and on with their own version of whatever it is. But the only way out is to have the scriptures in the common vernacular and a firm understanding that the Holy Spirit-inspired author determines the meaning, a willingness to read the context, and then learn how to rightly divide the word of truth or understand and interpret it according to the author's meaning. And you're right, that is for every Christian. Yes. Because the ministries that God gives are for the equipping the saints. Right. Okay, so telling people these stories based on someone's claimed personal revelation that leads them away from the actual meaning of the text is not equipping the saints for anything. Right. It's equipping them to be confused to think they're failures, to think that while well, these great preachers that have the massive crowds and go to the big meetings and everybody listens to them, they have something I don't have. And yeah. that is not the point of any of these texts. Right. The of them is to encourage the ordinary saints, which is the only kind there are. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Whatever is extraordinary, we won't know until the Lord comes. One okay. Horses don't go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes who knows the motives and thoughts of the heart. So, we yes, there may be extraordinary people as there were in the Old Testament, but right now we don't know who they are. Yes. Because the Lord hasn't come. Right. And if your works are wood, age, stubble, and you can read that, and I preached on it lately. So these great Hall of Fame, glorious Christians that have something we don't have, whether it's from, I don't care whose camp they're in. I've seen Reformed do that. Yeah. They list their great heroes. Say there, they should be added to Hebrews 11. Okay. No. Hebrews 11 is <laughs> already written in that scripture. Right. You're... You're violating 1 Corinthians 4. Yes. Okay. And so whether, whoever it is, we can be thankful for people that God uses and be thankful that someone like Martin Luther standing up against the whole world to stand for justification by faith and so on. That, those are really good things. But we don't know who's in the Hall of Fame. Right. Uh, because we're judging it on things we don't know. God knows. So go look that up, 1 Corinthians 4 or 5. Now, in this case, here's what's wrong. We're learning bad hermeneutics, misuse of Scripture, glorifying 
someone's own stories about their claimed revelations, which I don't trust. I don't uh, trust every thought coming into my mind is the word of God to me. Right. And I don't trust somebody else's claim. Okay. Because the Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity. God cannot lie. Yes. And it's very difficult to get people to see this, but it's incumbent upon us to bring this home and make it very clear. There's reasons in Deuteronomy, for example, Deuteronomy 13, Deuteronomy 18, that prophets have to be tested. Because if you speak something in the name of God, and it turns out to be false, you made God a liar. Right. And you blasphemed the name. And okay. And so we need to be um, very careful about putting words in God's mouth. Yes. Now, in some cases, I certainly believe there's things that God has said to indicate to me what I need to be doing. Okay. I don't say, thus saith the Lord, I must do this. I make decisions about prioritizing time and education and reading to accomplish a goal, but I take it as something that's within God's liberty for me to do, something that needs to be done, like doing YouTube here, studying the scripture like this and other things. But I don't want to put words in God's mouth. Right. Okay. So we should be, people say, well, you're taking the Holy Spirit away from us. No, we're telling you what the Bible reveals the Holy Spirit is doing in you. Right. And we know what he's doing in you by the means that he's revealed. And we know the goal is conformity to the image of Christ and being preserved all the way to the resurrection, that nothing will separate you from the love of God. That we know. Yes. So not to make anybody feel bad, because most of us have done that, but rather than saying the Holy Spirit told me to go do this, I would just say I'm prayerfully trusting God's purposes, and this is what I decided to do. It's not yep. going to keep God from doing something. Right. And it's okay so to that, say it seems right to me too, whatever yeah, it is I'm going to do. God's grace, if the Lord's will. James has a section about that. Don't you who say we're going to go do this, this, and the other thing, you ought to say if the Lord wills. Right. Now, here in this book, we're on page 118, it says, although the context of 2 Corinthians 12 9 is not prayer, praying in the spirit is perhaps the greatest example when his strength is made complete in our weakness. Okay. Let's just do what we're saying. Go to the context. Well, I have here, two, it was 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Yes. What's the context? Paul's thorn in the flesh. Right. What do we know about it? 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations... For this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, 
a messenger, the word there, angelos, angel, of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. They mentioned that twice. Verse 8, concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it may leave me. And he has said to me, now that's, the tense is important. He's remembering what he knows the Lord has said. Okay. My grace is sufficient for you. Power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well contented with weaknesses, insults, distresses, persecution, difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. So God providentially brings something. And the thing that will shoot us down is pride. Yes. That's what caused the fall. That's what Satan used. That's what motivated Satan. I okay. will, I will, I will. You look right. at that in Isaiah. So Paul tells us this. Now, what does that got to do with getting precise revelations about getting results in your situation? Right. That has nothing to do with that. He says here, when we realize our weaknesses, our inability to produce results, it causes us to look to him for help. Well, that passage you just read had nothing to do with inability to produce results. Well, again, I hope this helps you, dear listeners and people who watch this on YouTube. Always go to the context and try to understand what what's the issue? What's the big picture? Okay. And in the case of 2 Corinthians 12, they, Paul was being... Um, criticized yes. by the Corinthians for not being spiritual enough. Okay. And one of the reasons they thought he wasn't a great super apostle and they preferred somebody else or others was because of his weaknesses. Whatever right. they were, whatever the thorn in the flesh was, has been debated throughout church history. But the point is, the fact that he had weaknesses and he was living with them by God's grace is a rebuke to their rejection of him based on he has problems. Why would I listen to you? Okay. But if you listen to this other version of getting results, you're in danger of falling into the Corinthian air and judging people based on the fact that they have problems they didn't get resolved. Right. Because the stories that are shared in books like this are always how they got the result. And it's exactly what we're about to see. And I hope we will get this covered today. We have a little over 10 minutes. But it's that's exactly what Dot Sheets does here. Well, right. So why in the world do we have 2 Corinthians 12, 9 cited out of context? Right. It actually proves the opposite of what he's yeah. saying. So the same with Romans. Again and again, you read the whole context and you concern yourself with the author's intent. The author, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, his meaning is God's meaning. Not what I think I, in my mind. I need to have my mind renewed by the word of God by believing 
the biblical authors and make sure I understand what they said. It's the opposite. Right. Time and time again, the meaning of the text is the opposite. Yep. So and back so, to Romans 8, 26 here, what it actually says is in the same way, the spirit also helps our weakness for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Okay. Dutch sheets page one eighteen implies not that he is doing it for us, but with us. And, and he's using that word help. So he's doing it with us. In other words, this isn't something the Holy Spirit is simply doing in us with or without our participation. No, we involve him by praying in the spirit, which is actually allowing him to pray through us. Nowhere in this verse does it say he's praying through us. It says he's interceding for us. Right. Well, produce results. What yeah. sort of results? Well, he's going to tell us, I think we, we will have time to get to this. He goes into this so right after the quote I just shared. He tells a story about his wife, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the summary of it was his wife had had some abdominal pain, went to the doctor, found out she had an ovarian cyst, and they tell the doctor they want to they want to pray for it biblically first before proceeding with any other medical intervention. He goes on to say, we prayed for Cece with every biblical method we knew of laying on hands, elders anointing her with oil, the prayer of agreement, speaking the scriptures, binding, loosing, casting out like good charismatics. We even knocked her on the floor and let her lie there for a while. I think he's just inserting some humor there. But he goes through the whole thing, and then he gets these visions of him holding this cyst, and it's shrinking and shrinking, and then in the end, the cyst is gone. So he tells this whole story, and then he wraps it up with this. Intercession happened, and it can happen through you. The butterfly anointing combined with the bear anointing, and the serpent was defeated again. Oh, boy. All right. So... I don't know what that story's got to do with either Romans 8 or 2 Corinthians 12, 9, or Zechariah 14. No, Zechariah, which one was it? 4, 6? 4, 6, the yeah, not four, by six. strength, yeah, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the right. Lord of hosts. I don't see that story uh, enforcing what those verses mean in context. Right. And one of the things that concerns me about this, and I'm not here to doubt that his story is, is as he says, I'm only telling you what worked for me. He says on page 119, then he says his creative varieties never seem to end. The key for us is always obedience. Okay. So... But what are we obeying? Right. I was just going to say, obedience to what? Obedience to whom and on what grounds? Well, if you take this, all the stories and the other books written like this, there's lots of them. Yeah. The stories are based on out-of-context scriptures and personal words from God. Right. Right. I Which is exactly what we see here in this story. Yeah. 
personal words from God. And personal words from God, are they inherent? Are they infallible? Are they certainly from God? Right. Are they certainly the spirit? And usually if we ask that of people, then they start to backpedal. Right. But then if you're backpedaling, which is a good thing to do, mm -hmm. then why would you say that you obey your marching orders? Right. Because you've got a certain idea in your mind. I'm not saying this because I'm a cessationist. What ceased is inerrant, infallible revelation. Right. In scripture alone. Yes. But it doesn't mean that God is not still working powerfully during this entire age that we're in until his, until the rapture. Right. And I think that's in important that we state we're not saying that we shouldn't pray for people we're not saying that god doesn't still heal people he can and he does he obviously is or i wouldn't be here absolutely and so towards the end of this chapter here page 121 dutch sheet says the most important point i want to communicate to you through this book is that god wants to use you yes he does and we should pray for one another and we should sit under the means of grace and we should do all these things. But God is not dependent on us to do these things. If we if we should believe that God wants to use us. Right. That being the case. I'll give some advice here based on a biblical worldview. OK. In that case. Make sure that you're equipped. Yes. The way you're equipped is by learning diligently how to study the scripture, what the text means, how everything needs to be taken in context, and learn the meaning of the Holy Spirit-inspired author rather than looking for personal revelations beyond scripture that may or may not be from God. Right. That will that sort of thing doesn't equip you. It makes you unstable. Yes. And boy, the, the instability is what ultimately, in one way or another, got me out of that movement. Okay. Because it was people ended up unstable. Right. The reason for the instability was the moves of God that were coming through town in the 70s were based on new revelations. Yes. This is going to happen. This is the thing that's going to solve the problem. It was based on the temporal, it was based on revelations, and it was based on people claiming status in the body of Christ beyond the local church that had words from God and processes to go through, whether it was casting demons out of Christians or the inner healing or whatever the latest move of God was. But then when it problems arose, a new one would come, and then a new one would come. Okay. Stability came when we said we can't allow the saints to keep being uh, harmed by someone saying this is the latest thing and it's going to solve everything, and then the rug's pulled out from under them when it fails. Right. So... That's I've said this. There's a story I tell too, and I tell it over and over again. 1983, 
decision made. We're going to teach the Bible verse by verse because one thing for sure, I'll never regret having taught the Word of God thoroughly and accurately. Yes. So there's always going to be regrets, but I do not regret teaching the Word of God for what it says. And I would say to everyone listening, to be equipped, you need to learn the Bible. You need to believe what it says. Don't skip what you don't like. Right. Okay? And I think the problem with Romans 8 is a lot of people don't like it. Yep. And that's why they contrive things like we're reading here that don't follow. Right. So like the idea that God's in charge of his own universe. And that doesn't mean God isn't using us or working through us. Yeah, but they just don't like it. Yeah. There are people who reject huge chunks of scripture because they don't like it. Yeah. Well, if you don't like what God said, you'll somebody will come along with something you do like, and it won't do you any good. <laughs> right. So that's why um, this is topical, what we're doing here. But we can deal with these scriptures because of a lifetime of studying the whole Bible and expounding every verse and understanding it in context by God's grace. Yeah. A lot of other people. So... At the end of this little section here, I, I put a note down toward the end of it in my as I'm reading the book that we're critiquing. Okay. Here's my take on it. Interpreting stories to fit his preconceived theology. Right. Preconceived theology is getting revelations from God, getting precise revelations. So the Holy Spirit tells your mind what he wants. Then you pray according to that revelation. And then you learn the means to make it happen through various further revelations. And then you get the results you're looking for. Yeah. But the passages cited don't uh, confirm that. So this is a preconceived theology that's just looking for a story to acknowledge that it's right when, in fact, it's wrong. It's bad theology. Yes. All right. Well, a little teaser for next week. Chapter 8, Supernatural Childbirth. And even as a warning on here. Warning, this chapter could drastically alter the population of the kingdom of darkness and increase the need for new convert classes. So... Next week should be interesting. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramus. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.